to Breaking Down Bits, a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed them. Hey, welcome to Breaking Down Bits. I'm Brian Jedrin. I'm Drew Jordan, and we are back today with a special guest getting back into it, talking all things comedy, writing, business, performance, all the things. Uh, but I guess first, we need to jump into our callback from our last episode with Sarah Tolomash. Yeah, second second time around with Sarah. She's the first person that's been on twice, which is exciting. We talked specifically about uh, video content, video editing, I guess just content in general. And the one thing that that I that stood out for me thinking back on the episode was uh, just get to doing it. Just do it. You're going to suck at it at first. You'll get better as you go. So just get to doing it. Yeah, I think one of the things for, from our conversation that really like was personally good for me, I think, was just remembering to not care about other people's input when you're kind of in the creativity stage. Like there is a point where, you know, you, you need somebody to like it. But if you're in those early stages, um, Sarah talked about kind of pushing people out and at least taking something to stage to try it first for yourself. So you can know, because, um, you know, a lot of times when you're, when you're shooting ideas around with people, they're quick to shoot them down and you deserve uh, taking that to the stage and giving it a shot. Yeah. So I mean, if you get, get started, don't give a shit what other people think. And, uh, that's some great advice from Sarah and there's a lot of other great stuff in there too. So go back and listen to the episode, listen to all the episodes, breaking down bits.com, uh, is where you can, the portal into all that. And of course you can find us on all your podcast platforms, YouTube and all that good stuff. Uh, you can also give us a follow tag us on social media at breaking down bits, uh, on Instagram, Twitter's breaking down bit, but everywhere else it's, it's that. <laughs> You can reach out to us on Gmail at breakingdownbits at gmail.com. And, uh, and yeah, so I think, Drew, we're ready to bring in our guest. Are we ready for it? Yeah, let's go for it. Katie Hannigan is a stand-up comic, actor, and writer. She's been featured on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Comedy Central, Just for Laughs New Faces, The Travel Channel, and MTV. Katie can be seen performing nightly at the comedy clubs in New York City. She wrote Death Hacks, Misinformation for the History Channel, and recently Moments in Time, a web series featured in the Yes and Laughter Lab. Katie also hosts the popular podcast Lady Journey with comedian Sarah Tolomash. It's amazing to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and it's such good timing because the last episode was Sarah Tolomash, and here you are, the uh, co-host of Lady Journey. I love, I love Sarah. She's my work wife. <laughs> She's so great. I've, I've had so many. They say sometimes, you know, it's it's all about networking connections, and I was very uh, lucky to be connected a little more with Sarah, shooting some video work. And she's been nothing but absolutely uh, an amazing person to be connected to. Yes, she's awesome. Now, did you shoot her um, sleepover mom video? Was that? I did. Yes, and she got it was in the um, JFL shorts. So it was. that's exciting. That's a credits. Yeah, I mean, I'm, that, I'm telling huh? everyone I'm JF. I'm a JFL. <laughs> that's my credit now. Yes. Although we just won best comedy short in the Sugarloaf Film Festival. Uh, Look at that! A few hours north of New York. So how awesome! Um, it's still out there getting work. 
That's great. Yeah, it's a, it is um, really well done, I have to say. Loved oh, it. Loved you. the piece. I mean, it was really all Sarah and her, her writing and performance. I was just holding the camera <laughs> and it was, it was a great, it was a, such a great little uh, short. And, and that's what we talked about in our last episode is just about how she just makes a bunch of shorts and just does it, pushes that work out there and who knows what might come from it. And some great things are happening. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about, uh, about you, Katie. Uh, have, have you been since, uh, you had an album that came out, uh, I guess, was it last year at this point or was it early this year? Um, I taped it last November, but it did not come out until March. So it's been about six months. I don't know. I can't count. Yes. It's been exactly six months. So I listen. I listened to it right right around the time it came out, and I loved it. I mean, it, it's it's excellent. Thank you so yeah. Much so for listening. so so well done. It was a lot of Thank fun. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and and of course, now you're in the in the process. I imagine of building material back up. That exciting yes. time in a, in a comics career. Yes. Yes. It, it, exciting and um, terrifying. Terrifying. At the same time. It is yeah. a, an emotional roller coaster every day. So. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, where where can we find your special? Is it a YouTube exclusive thing, or is, is it um, everywhere you everywhere you could possibly hear audio? It's it's a lot of places. It is on iTunes and Spotify. But if people want to buy it, I am encouraging them to buy it from my um, me from my website katiehannigan.com slash album because I did completely self produce and I did it you know very like indie um so yeah if people want to buy it i'd encourage you to give the money to me instead of um apple or wherever well, else well shame on me for listening on spotify I, I, <laughs> I, I will do this i will go and buy it from you because I, I know what, what the work oh, thank time you, you put into it. yes yeah. I'll make that commitment. sorry <laughs> no <laughs> that's okay i mean i would if if you can only listen to it from spotify that's better than not listening to it at all i guess so there you go well, one of the things we like to do uh, is talk about how you got to that point to where you're creating albums, where you're doing Colbert, all the fun stuff we just heard in your intro. Uh, there was a time when that when none of that existed, you know, when you were just mm -hmm. starting out. So maybe if you don't mind, share with us a little bit of your journey, how you got started, and uh, maybe uh, focus on some of the breaks that you've had along the way. Oh, sure. My lady journey. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I went to school to do acting. I went to a performing arts program. And when I was graduating, I was really thinking of like, what, what do I want to do? I had done improv in high school and a little bit in college. And um, I was really interested in like experimental uh, theater. So I moved to New York and I was doing an internship. And then I tried stand up comedy after that, just kind of, uh, you know, I was in the spirit of trying everything and just you know, I'm um, have been a performer for my whole life, pretty much. So I was really into just at that time, like I was into miming for a little while. I was into right. mask, you know, like doing mask theater. And, um, you know, so I was just kind of <clears throat> trying out a lot of different things and stand up stuck for me. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just been kind of like a consistent um, daily practice for me for the past um, several years. And now I am, especially after the pandemic, shifting a little bit into, you know, trying to think about like what I want to do next and like different areas and wanting to do everything and not be, having that not be like physically possible, you know, because I have an acting background. I love acting. I love like film acting and I would love to do that every day too. But, you know, it's just like you can't. <laughs> so, <laughs> But you did have a part in uh, the 4th of July. 
I did. Yes, I was cut. I was cut from the 4th of July. I had two parts, actually. I think one of my parts did get put back in the extended cut. Oh, okay. So I'm not sure. I did see it in the, um, I saw at the premiere, which was really so fun to go and do that. And my name was still in the credits, which I was like, well, okay. You're in it. I'm in it. Oh, I had you a couple young girl. A young girl. Well, I had a couple <laughs> people be like, I saw your name in the credits, but I guess like you just didn't make an impression on me because I did not remember you. <laughs> yeah, like, when you said that, she was like, I don't remember her being <laughs> in there. Were you like a family member of, of Joe or something? Or, or I was the Joe Place. I was cut with a lot of n- other New York people it, in the very early, like um it was kind of like the um um what's that what's that term in screenwriting where you're like setting the scene like joe's life in new york so i was in a scene where it was like joe's life in new york he has the anxiety that he keeps hitting a guy with his car and he's looking around to see if he did hit somebody and i'm there like what are you looking at like what what's Uh, going on something uh, crazy uh and then i was in another scene where joe is like trying to kind of like conquer his demons by doing guided meditation and i was the the voiceover on the guided meditation Oh, <laughs> yes. You do have a good, you could definitely do more um, guided meditation voice work. I think you oh, have a good voice. <laughs> well, I'm very spiritual and I have a, um, I have a meditation pillow that I've just bought and I have not used it yet. Okay. So it is, it's now I'm just calling it my hundred dollar pillow. I just, <laughs> I, just, I just pulled these rocks or crystals oh. from my wife's, whatever these Ryan, are. I don't know. I don't know they're not mine. <laughs> rose quartz. I'll tell you what it okay. is right now. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a witch. <laughs> the one right here, a little... Mm, i just keep it by my desk for you know my spirit i keep some cat crack rocks over here just to kind of set the mood (laughs) yeah working (laughs) whatever you have to do to get the job done (laughs) hey you know it's a hard world out there (laughs) well i gotta tell you in in reviewing some of your material um you know getting ready for this 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 podcast definitely the acting chops show up on stage for you and you lean into those strengths and it's it it really does a lot for your stand-up so uh i think you know, every time I say this, when we talk about these things, I'm like, man, I gotta go take a fucking acting class and I never go and do it. But uh, you can definitely tell that background has really helped you in your stand up. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I'm very theatrical. I'm actually like too much. You know, I, it, you would think like, oh, like that's how you act. But then like I get on camera and like you see everything, you know, I'm like, hi. And it's like, <laughs> now you have to just tone it way, way down low, you know. Interesting. So you're opposite than most comics. Most comics are like, okay, I got to go out and do more act out. You're like, dude, tone it down a little. Okay. Too much. Yeah. Well, just when you do like acting for like the screen, you know what I I mean? Yeah. But it is kind of crazy. The difference. Cause when you are doing standup, you're like playing to the back of the room and you want everybody to see you. So you have to make everything huge and like your arms, you know, huge. But when you get on camera, then it's like, actually, you know, when you have like a close up like this, you know, make everything very small is that something that you at this point have to consciously think about when you write a bit how i'm going to act this out or does that just happen naturally for you i don't know i don't really do that many act outs now i would like to do more i'm doing like i've just it feels like lately my writing has just been like a ton of like misdirection in my own voice and mm-hmm. then I am kind of like doing a character on stage, but it's not really a character. It's just like a version of myself, you know? So I guess it is like a little heightened, like it's kind of like, you know, when you, um, 
it's like when I like am with a girlfriend or something, you know, I'm like talking a little bit differently to her than I am with like a, you know, person at the store, for example, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, girl, <laughs> what? <laughs> he said, what? Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's not really an act out per se, but you, you just kind of pers- you personify it with your vocal and and body movements. Uh, it's it's a part of your style for sure that you really. Um, I think it maybe just adds something to say like I believe that you believe what you're saying because you're so emphatically backing it up with all of the all of the nonverbal and verbal extras to kind of like like maybe just draws people in uh, yeah. a little better. Yeah, you know, I'm really inspired by like Nathan Lane in ah, okay. the birdcage, you yeah. know, mm. just like that kind of like fabulous like show show oh, person, man. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. That I mean, it it does. When you when I've seen you perform live, you definitely get there's a there's a persona that comes with your on stage performance that is it's very it's very professional and polished and fancy and there's something there's something really neat about it. Yeah, thank you. So I, I can't imagine when you first started, it all gelled perfectly uh i mean, guess tell us about some of that journey early on as you were you know formulating your your stand-up your stage presence for stand-up mm. uh, uh and then maybe what was what was one of the first kind of big things that happened to you that that really kind of helped accelerate your career well i mean it definitely has been a journey of just like self-discovery you know because when i moved to new york and kind of started performing here i was 21 and so you know i didn't really have like Um, an identity as a person and I always kind of like struggled with that because I was so busy working my day job doing stand-up and I didn't ever really feel like I knew myself you know I was kind of able to like observe myself like in relationships you know so I guess like me kind of growing as a person has helped me a lot just in terms of like having the self-confidence you know that you kind of you hopefully grow into when you're in your thirties where you're just like, okay, I've been here before. I know where I am. And so that was really helpful. But I I'd say my first big, I did get kind of a, a little break when I was, um, the, the first thing that I did that was kind of a big deal for me was I did a video for MTV when I was about, I think I had only been about do, doing stand up for about three years, maybe two and a half, three years. Is that the and rats? Yeah, the, the rat yeah. video. Yeah, yeah. okay. And you I saw can that. see I look totally different. Like I just look. I see that video. I'm like, I cannot believe. I think that's what I look like now. And then I see a photo. I'm like, oh yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Time has been cruel, but um, but yeah. So that was. Now it's been. Uh, maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, maybe I think about 10 years ago that I did that video. So that was really exciting for me. And I had been doing like, different videos with like college humor and stuff. So I was like, kind of comfortable in that environment. But it was the first time that I got to have my stand up like showcased in a in a way that was like fun and interesting. And, and that was exciting. And then I had another big um exciting experience when I was four years in somebody recommended me to audition for JFL so that was the first time that I really started feeling like oh I'm getting better like everything's adding up for me and this is my big break meanwhile it then took me another like five tries (laughs) before I finally got to go 
but they do always say, and I remember hearing that around like four years in is when you start to, you kind of are able to get to that next level. Wow. I, that's uh, six months for me. Six months oh, away. All right. Exciting. All I got to do is wait go. six months. No, just kidding. <laughs> There's more to it than that. Yeah. Well, I did something pretty interesting, which was I spent like about a week going through my entire Twitter log because I decided, you know, I want to delete everything because I don't want to people to have access to my old material. You know, that's like um, I didn't even do it like because I was like, oh, I'm going to get canceled. Like I have nothing like that in there. <laughs> but you never know. But um, <laughs> time's strange. Yeah, you never know. So I, yeah. I went through and I deleted everything, but I was reading through and I, I was reading my early stuff. I'm like, God, am I stupid? Like, what? <laughs> why, why did I think? And then I could see, I could see like, it was almost like bad, 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 got to the next level, same, got to the next level, same. You know, it wasn't like this steady increase of like what you would think. It was like, ah, now I've gotten to the next level. Now I'm at the next level. You know, I could see it through reading, you know, it's been 13 years that I've been tweeting stuff, trying to write jokes. And um, so it was really interesting because then I could see like, I could even see like around years, like seven, eight, like I was writing in jokes, writing in jokes, but I wasn't writing in like a consistent voice. I was just writing stuff that sounded like jokes to me. Mm. So yeah, it was just an interesting, it's interesting the way you are able to develop a, creative skill and how it actually happens. Do you consciously remember or, or have any advice for someone who is in a place where they're writing and it maybe feels a little scattered and they're, and, and they don't have a consistent voice yet. Any, any tips or anything that helped you kind of pull it together and keep coming from a, a singular point of view? Well, what I did, which I would recommend to everybody is like, I just wrote every single day, but I have a lot of like anxiety where, and I even have this now when, when it's like, you know, different projects or whatever, like you sit down and you start writing and then you kind of get into like a psycho spiral because you're like, I don't know what I'm writing about. Like, I don't know. Like now I'm thinking like, I should be writing like this person. I don't know. Like, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. I've always had that like perfectionism kind of gets in the way of my creativity. So what I used to do and what I do now a little bit more sporadically is that like I would actually write out a routine in like 10 minute increments where it was like, okay, for the first 10 minutes of my writing session, which is say one hour long for the first 10 minutes, I'm just going to free write and I'm going to write without stopping. So, okay, I know, I know how to do that. Like you just go. And then the second chunk, I'm going to like, for example, you know, a writing exercise that I do sometimes is like, I'll use a random word generator that's just on the internet. And uh, um, I'll take a random word and then I will write a joke about whatever the random word is, you know, could be like money or like whatever. I got bitch recently, which I found. <laughs> I said, okay, random, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, do 10 of those. And then once that's done, that could take whatever, 10 to 15 minutes, maybe I'll move on. And then I will work on um, five topical jokes. Boom, 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 boom. Then I'll do, uh, I will work on this chunk that I'm working on for the week. So by, by like micro structuring my time like that, 
I was able to take the pressure and the anxiety off of myself of being like, I don't know what to do next. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because I think a lot of times like in a creative like space, you end up going off in a bunch of different directions and then you're actually not working towards something consistently. But if you just do the same thing every day for like years and years and years, then you will get better at it. But if you're doing writing every day, but you're writing a different thing every day, then you're not, you're not going to see like a skill progression. That's really, that's really smart. I mean, you, if you were going to go work out at the gym, uh, you, you, ideally you'd warm up a little bit before you start. Um, yeah. it's the same thing. you these exercises are, are warmups for your brain. Uh, so that by the time it comes to, to like, Hey, working on the stuff on your, on your, on your material, you know, you're already in your brain is, is ready to start forming jokes. I mean, and so that's a really smart, uh, tip for sure. Yeah. That, that's really helpful. I think, cause a lot of people don't, I mean, there's not a lot of advice out there or it's hard to find advice from people who are successful comics in writing. And what do you actually do? Every book is written by someone you never heard of. And right, so I think that's what's right. so nice to hear from someone who's actually used a technique and has become, you know, a, a, an actual professional comic and is getting work and, and doing things. So it's nice to hear that there's some, some, some strategy in those moments can really pay off. I know like morning pages, which is kind of similar to what you're talking about to some degree um, was always super helpful for me, but you know, you do have to go back and you have to have some sort of uh, dedication to, uh, to hang in there and keep those cycles happening. Otherwise it, you do kind of like, it's just a waste of time at some point if you're not really following up. Yeah. You do have to consistently write new material. I think to be a you know, it, comedy is once you get to a certain level, you can kind of like theoretically slack off and like nobody will notice, you know, but it's like, mm -hmm. what, you know, at that point, then why not just work at the, why not just be a barista? I think like, <laughs> You know, if you don't really like writing, then just do something else. <laughs> and, th and that also helps with uh, some of the things that I find personally terrifying, like um, like a show where it's like improvised stand up where you're going to spin a wheel or something. You just mm -hmm. never know what you're going to hit. Or um, or this past weekend, the headliner brought up all the comics on stage and he's like, we're going to roast somebody whose birthday it is. And I'm like, fuck, I hate roasting. I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Why are we doing this? And it was fine. You know, whatever. It's no big deal. But the more that you practice those types of things, the more you're able to think on your feet a little more uh, as, as they come up. And then one thing I was thinking about today, and I don't know if this is if this really is something that you think about or, or is a lot of your material, but I'm like, man, I need to get better at analogies, like including strong analogies in my material. There's not a lot and I'm not good at that area. Is there, uh, do you have any practice or ideas for that? And you don't have to have an answer. It's just something I was thinking about. I mean, you should definitely be like working fundamentals. You know, I, I do it. I love doing it. I love doing like fundamental writing exercises. I know it sounds like so boring, but I just like <laughs> really enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I think in order to get better at analogies, what I would do if I was you is I would just find 10 jokes that have analogies that I really like. Like, ah, oh, this is such a great joke. I love this analogy. Write out why you like it. You know, like, why is this so mm -hmm. good? And mm -hmm. then just try to write your own analogy. So it's a like the the um, dual components of like seeing it, like igniting your passion, and then trying to do it yourself. Ooh, you know, taking I like it on that. stage Ign and see if it works. Igniting your passion. That's I like that a lot. Perfect. 
I think with yeah. comedy, it's it's hard sometimes just to really feel and like you understand the deeper structure of some of the things that make you laugh. And I think the more that you understand, you know, and really think about that structure, it's super interesting because you can take like the bones of a joke you love, like you said, and kind of and kind of like rework it to to be one of your jokes. But I think so many times it's. I don't know. It's, it's easy and difficult sometimes when you're listening to a comic that you love to just zone out and just enjoy and go for the ride when you could be analyzing a little more. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, I think the ultimate goal is not necessarily to like rip off someone's structure, you know, but to like internalize it so that like you're organically thinking in that way. And then maybe, you know, I've had like an experience multiple times where it's like I'm trying to write a joke I'm trying to write like you know I'm trying like my 10 analogies for the day or and I don't get anything and I'm like yeah that sucks and then later like something comes to me and it's like the best joke that I've ever written <laughs> you know so I think like just adding the subconscious element is important too yeah yeah that's a great point sitting down and writing even if you don't produce stuff that day and that happens a lot that does happen a lot. It, it could later uh, influence your thoughts and, and, and things that you'll, and you know, we're, if you're like me, you're obsessive over these things, over these bits, you know, then, then when you're obsessing later, it might uh, fire off something you weren't going to think of otherwise. That's why we do it. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your, your career progressed, you're getting, you got on the, M, M, on the MTV. I sound like my dad. <laughs> you got on the MTV. <laughs> Uh, and then got just for laughs, new faces. And I'm assuming, um, did the, did just for laughs, was that a turning point where you started maybe touring more or did anything, anything happen specifically from your JFL that kind of shifted career wise? Well, actually there was a big turning point for me in 2017 where I was broken up with the day before Valentine's day. <laughs> and that actually like just provided the motivation and time and like anger that I needed to fuel me. So after that, I like started going on the road. I was going on the road as much as I could just so I could get out of the city, you know? And I think mm -hmm. like there unfortunately or you know maybe it's better now with like people are using social media more but like there is like kind of a this in-between phase where you have to kind of work for no money and you kind of have to just be like whatever like I'll take I'll take whatever I can get and like I don't know if I would have been able to do that if it hadn't been for like a traumatic <laughs> experience <laughs> so I was like just doing doing as much as I could on the road. I was doing festivals. I was just trying to get out of the city as much as I possibly could. And then like that got my skill level up. I was doing as many shows as I could. I was like fueled by anger. I was like on a revenge quest. I, I was like, you know, like I, my abs were like rock hard. And <laughs> so it was actually the year before I did JFL. It wasn't like I got JFL and it was a turning point for me. It was like the turning point was what allowed me to put in the, work that I needed to and maintain the focus that I needed to, to actually, um, you know, get that. Cause I think the year that I got JFL, like I had, as I had mentioned, I had su submitted like five times previously, mm -hmm. or maybe this was my fifth time, but I think I taped every set. I taped every set that I did for six weeks up until 
the date and I was talking to people about it, like sent my set, I actually sent it to Sarah, I think. Nice. Sarah Talamash. Shout out. <laughs> um, and, you know, so it, I think that that's just the tip of the iceberg and in, in terms of like a, another huge effort that I was doing. And I had also done, we've got some local contests here in New York as well, like March Madness. I had done that. I had done the New York's Funniest, made it to the final round. So it was like just one thing after another where I was like getting so closer, getting so closer. I had won this other contest for laughs that was in um on their reddit page which just feels ancient but remember when people were like posting the stand-up shots i like won a contest from that so it was a full year of just um putting the pedal to the metal that and it was kind of like a um and maybe this is comforting to people in a way like critical mass of putting in work uh yeah that was what kind of turned everything over so from that, yeah, I did, I was already working a lot of clubs in New York, but to have a good credit, like the late show, um, that will definitely help you get more work. And uh, yeah, doing, doing that was kind of a good, a good uh, getting to the next level, getting to another next level um, on my journey. Yeah, so it's like inspired by Ariana Grande, you know, break up with your boyfriend and get a lot better at stand up. Yeah. So it's, that, that is the key. But I like that. I like you said anger. Um, yeah, you know, anger is like such a powerful emotion if you can actually harness it and not be like shut down or like have it, you know, influence you in a negative way. And I have always found it to be like really productive. It's like a productive place for me to be in. Mm hmm. I agree. I'm not. I'm not a very angry person and I don't write a lot of anger. So whenever I, I, I notice like when I get, when I actually do have moments of anger in real life, I stop and I like write down what is making me mad because it's, it's so I, I just want to write. I want to use that somehow to like inspire writing. Totally. Um, it's a great place to write comedy from, but I think like I had struggled with depression for so long for like years and years and, you know, like the emotional scale, which I'm into because I'm into like, you know, wellness, questionable wellness practices, <laughs> but it's like joy, feeling great, complacency, anger. And then like all the way at the very bottom is like despair, shame, you know, and I was in that place like a lot. Mm. So for me to get to anger actually at that time was like, oh, I actually feel better than yeah, being yeah. like, I suck. Yeah, I feel like a lot of new comics, they're trying to write self self-deprecating, but it comes off as despair and depression and like, look at me, I'm so sad instead mm. of actually funny. But you're like, you're trying, but you're just maybe in a headspace where, you know, you're you're starting out and you want to write something that makes fun of yourself, but it comes off as sad. But anger, anger, I think, is is very inspiring and gives you gives you some hot takes because even if they're wrong, who cares? Like that, it doesn't matter as long as you believe it and you're passionate about it, you can make an audience believe it. I think they'll go with you even if what you're mad about is not something that they would necessarily get mad about. It's just that there's something it's passion, I guess is what it is. Totally. Totally. And yeah, there, there is definitely a power in anger that you don't have and being like, well, I think maybe, maybe what, what you're talking about. And I have observed this as well with people who are newer is like kind of like too cool for school. Like I know my mm. way around this, I know my way around this open mic scene and 
you know, kind of that like bitter, you know, but it's kind of like they want to appear as though like, yep, it's the old game, you know, but it's like, (laughs) it just doesn't translate very well to the stage where you're like actually entertaining people, you know, nobody was coming to a comedy club to be like, well, this guy gets it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's not very entertaining to watch someone be sad by themselves necessarily. But yeah. I like the uh, the reference to the emotional scale and what you said, Drew. Like you write you write it down when you're angry. Uh, finding comedy in based rooted in emotion is where you're going to connect with audiences the quickest. You know, people connect on emotion first, and then w- once they understand what emotion it's coming from, then they can they can follow you a little bit closer with whatever your 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 bit may be about. Right. Um, so that is a great, great, I, great way to write. And obviously, like you said, anger is a great way to motivate and just get shit done and get JFL. So I'm really, uh, I'm trying to teach this to my like seven year old, like, uh, get in touch with your emotions. And, and that is a great source of, of comedy just overall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it maybe does just boil down to passion because, you know, if you think about the comics or even the actors that you've watched that you've enjoyed their performances on, it's there's a there's a I don't know, there's just no question that they believe what they're saying with all their heart. And when you're angry, you just like spout your most basic beliefs and thoughts and opinions, and they just like pour out of you so quickly and so honestly. There's something good about that. Yeah, Lewis Black. I mean, that's his whole, that's his whole career. His whole thing. People yeah. loved it. Yeah. I mean, they used to, Maybe <laughs> I don't know if he's still, I haven't right. seen him in a minute. Yeah. yeah. But you said, honestly, too, you see, that's where you can show up authentically too. If mm-hmm. you know, you know what emotions are coming from. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's, let's move into a little more writing talk. Um, we typically just dive into this with this a super broad open question answer or whatever you feel like is right. But how does Katie Hannigan write comedy? Well, I, I'm a really big fan of like utilizing your best time of the day. So I try to write jokes early. Like I'm like really good in the morning, you know, and I do think that they, I do kind of buy into that theory of like diminishing returns, you know? So I try to use like the best two hours as soon as I can. Um, so I, I will do that. But I mean, a lot of my writing is I'm just kind of like slogging or like, you know, writing a few exercises, trying an exercise I haven't done in a while or, you know, focusing on something that I haven't done or like, I also like to seek out stuff that really um, inspires me. I just watched Shang Wang's special on Netflix. And it's great. Yeah. Paper. Loved uh, it. Uh, printing. It's insane. It's such a great bit. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. So, you know, I'll definitely go through and like, I've taken like a couple of his jokes that were my favorite and transcribe them and just see like, ah, okay. I see like, I see what's happening in this joke. I see what's happening in this joke. And, you know, just, I just kind of do it as a way of like, again, not to like rip somebody off, but just to like appreciate the structure of the piece. And, and, you know, Shang's, um, special was so great because it was layered not only with like really great writing but like his own persona and his perspective you know so um i'll do that and then um but yeah like it's usually for me like if you want to know like what do i do day to day like i wake up i do 30 minutes free writing which is like just a time for me to think it's kind of like morning pages but it's really more of like a therapeutic writing exercise where i can like 
just see what's going on inside of my mind and kind of like, you know, reroute myself if I'm like going into a negative place or something like that. And Mm. then I will do like one hour of just writing jokes, maybe trying to write some new jokes or like tagging old jokes, just kind of like dig in and see what, what needs to be done. And then maybe another hour of, um, looking for inspiration or looking for like, Oh, I see people are doing like stitches on TikTok. I want to do some of those. Like, let me do, let me do like 10 of these and see if there's one that I want to post or like, like I would use that time. If I was focusing on analogies, I want to incorporate more analogies. I'm going to use this in this hour to just write analogies. And then like it shifts, you know, like if I wanted to do like a late night packet, then I would pop in like, a 25 minute section where I'm just like writing late night jokes for, you know, whatever a month or something before. And so I try to do like the exact same thing every single day when I'm working on something specific, like I am working on building my act right now. That's what I, that's what I would do like in my ideal universe. But then, you know, of course I have like phone calls and today I got an audition last minute. So it's, you know, I always try to leave room once I get to that point of like two hours, you know, just leave the rest open because other stuff is going to come up. You're going to have admin stuff. You're going to have to do your social media. You're going to be derailed. So that, that part of my day, I work more on like a list system of like, this is the stuff I need to get done today. Sounds very structured. I would say maybe more structured than most of the comics that we've spoken to about their process. Yeah. And I don't know if, and I'm not saying like structure is better. I'm just saying it's a little bit better for me because I, you know, as I mentioned, have had like some issues with anxiety and depression. And if I know what I'm doing next, it's a lot easier for me to be like, just move through the day, move through the day. Um, And I also think like maybe sometimes I could benefit from like a more intuitive structure you know where i'm like ah i'm feeling tired like let me go back to bed instead of having a grande dunkin donuts and just like fucking like chipping away and not getting anything done because that's what i always do but i'm just like very type a and um that's that's kind of what i have to do so i don't spin out emotionally yeah that's good (laughs) that's good to know that you know yourself well enough that you've picked a working style and strategies that help you stay healthy and happy and focused. And because it feels like a lot of comedy is tough. It's late nights. It's, you know, uh, kind of a crazy schedule, you know, alcohol and stuff and stuff is, is always kind of a danger to some people and can cause them to, there's, there's potholes and pitfalls everywhere. And to know yourself and what you need is seems like, a really good strategy that maybe most people don't have that kind of insight to themselves like you do. I don't know. Well, I'm also a norm, uh, a a morning person. I almost said normal, which is not not correct, but I am a morning person, which I did realize like, this is not, this is not like a personality that's actually conducive to a nightlife genre, like comedy. Like, I mean, I usually do like, okay, you know, I can, I'll be fine until like one. But mm-hmm. like after the stroke of one, I start <laughs> acting. I'm like, hi, is anyone here? 
um, do you like what, what's go- what are you guys talking about? And people are like, what? You know, I just start acting strange and tired and <laughs> sleep is like so important for your mental health. And so, so I do try to like shift it a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the I don't I don't want to put it out there that it's not like the perfect system. And I'm like, I'm so yeah. great. I like work. And that's why I'm successful. Quote unquote. <laughs> um, that's just what I do. And I am not I am not co-signing it as beneficial in any way because I'm, <laughs> it's day to day over here. <laughs> yeah. well, you mentioned that you kind of dealt with in the past, you know, some sort of depression and anxiety. Is there anything that you do, but maybe before you go on stage and perform that kind of gets your head in the right space? It seems like you do like a lot of work to get your head in the right space for writing. Is there also something you do to prepare yourself to perform? Um, no, I don't do anything like to prepare myself like that. But I, I mean, I was, in therapy so i'd say like if you have like issues with depression anxiety you have to go to therapy you can't just be like i'm just like a piece of shit like you have to (laughs) you just have to go um i also i think that uh, one of the reasons that i was having so many issues like that is because when i was doing stand-up for the first i guess it was about I don't remember, maybe like six or eight years that I was doing stand up. I was working a day job also. Mm. So I was always skimping on sleep. Like I was mm. always not taking care of myself in the way that I should. And even now, if I notice, like I'm starting to feel like, you know, a spiral coming on, you know, which is like, it's not like I had mental illness and now I'm like totally fine. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's just like an ongoing thing, you know if I notice that I've like spiraled to friends like four days in a row, it's like, yeah, maybe I, maybe I need to sleep. You know, it's just, I think an awareness, the, developing an awareness of how to actually take care of yourself in a way that's not like self care, get a massage, but it's like, <laughs> no, you have to sleep. You have to sleep. You can't drink every night. Like you just can't. But I think there's like such like a thing of like, I'm a comic, like I'm out smoking pot. It's like, you're not going to be a top performer, which is like what I was my dream to be like a really great joke writer and really great like performer. You won't ever be able to do that if you're drinking every night, if you're smoking pot every night. And I know there's people that are like cool about it. And I just don't believe that you can. Yeah. And I think, you know, sleep is obviously super important. Mental health important. Also another one diet and that includes, you know, substances and all that. Right. It's yeah. so true, Brian. And I'm, I'm like absolutely a diet person where like, I, I love my sugars. I love Same. raisins. I love raisins <laughs> and I love dried fruit, which is like, Oh, and naughty. Cause you're in your thirties and you're like, I had, I had raisins last night or like cheese, you know, but like I have done like, you know, low carb, low sugar. And it's like the mental fog lifts. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to, it is hard to maintain it, especially like if you're on the road, if you're like living a life that demands your time and energy in any way. But, you know, it's like pretty unbelievable to go from like being like, I'm tired all the time. I'm fuzzy. And then like, I did like a 21 day sugar detox. And I was like, this is what, well, this is what's been, this is a huge Mm -hmm. factor in like my energy, my sleep, my mental clarity. And yeah, people are kind of in denial about it. And it's like, I get it. I think especially like guys too, because it's like not masculine to be like, I'm, you know, I don't eat beef or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I think for, I mean, speaking for myself personally, there's just a lot of habits that are hard to break. There's a lot of eating. There's a lot of, 
eating, drinking, there's a lot of lifestyle choices that are like, well, this is definitely not the best for me, but it's also hard to break. And so you just kind of get late. You can get lazy about that stuff and it can pile on and, and really, if you get enough of those things working against you, I guess it's really becomes a real problem. Yeah. Well, I'm a hypocrite too, because I mean, like, look at me. I'm like, I don't eat sugar. I have one raisin a week. That's my treat. And then it's like, I am going to a party tonight. I will be having a glass of Prosecco. Like I know that I will, but like, I, you know, I'm like doing the same thing that everybody's doing where it's like, my life is a mess and I'm just kind of like doing the best that I can in there. I'm like, okay, I'm trying this. I'm trying this, you know? Well, just, yeah, you have to have some, some level of discipline. If you really want to get, like you said, get to the next level, do this pro, um, you really do. Uh, you, you can't smoke pot every night and, and you might get to a certain, you might get all the way that way. It might happen, but if you really want to want to accelerate your career, uh, finding those areas where you can be disciplined most of the time with exceptions, have that Prosecco and that raisin tonight. You <laughs> uh, but, Wait, are raisins, are raisins unhealthy? Because I was under the assumption uh, they're like health food. No, Drew, raisins are not good for you. Any dried fruit is oh. just, it's like you might as well be eating candy. Oh, it's fair. not good for you, but I love it. We've done yeah. a whole Lady Journey episode on my love for raisins. So <laughs> mine's, dried, mine's dried mango. Dried mango is my thing. I love it. I love mango. Mm-hmm. I love fresh mango too. Oh, mm-hmm. I do know so that amazing. The dried banana chips are so delicious. There's plantains. no way that can, there's no way that can mm. be healthy. Those banana. No. Yeah, I guess plantains I mean, or banana chips. Fried. Yeah, bananas bananas really aren't that good for you. Like when you like start getting down to it, it's like a banana isn't even really that good for you. But you know, it's like what are you gonna do? <sighs> it's better than like a cheeseburger or something, right? That's it's like true. the healthy the healthy choice. The choice that's like because I'm also a person where it's like I have a tendency because I am like so you know I have like these many rules in my mind that I'm living by because of like trauma that like, I can't have too much structure because then it's like, now I'm like spiraling into an eating disorder, you know, and like, <laughs> that's yeah. like the other, the other yeah, side right. of the spectrum where you're like, are you okay? I'm like, I, I, I everything's clear. I'm having clear thoughts. <laughs> yeah, you gotta find good balance. Well, we've got yes. two things we're going to do. Uh, the first, I'm going to play a little bit of your stand-up, a little, about a minute from your Colbert set, just so people can get a taste of your material, and then we'll we'll talk about it. Okay. I was the crazy girl in college, and now I'm just living that epilogue. <laughs> Any ladies you ever thought you were roofied, hmm? Later, you realize that you just had 18 cocktails. Whoopsie. <laughs> Morning after, your friends are concerned. <gasps> what did you drink? Then the truth comes out. I'm like, I just had like three or four martinis. Couple double gin and tonics. Like seven or eight shots of Patron. Oh, I drank some mezcal from the bottle. <gasps> But then I had a glass of Pinot Grigio. And that was when I started losing consciousness. (laughs) My friends are like, girl, you roofied yourself. I'm in denial, like, no, 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 no. Someone roofied me. And then safely escorted me to my ex-boyfriend's apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Who did it? (laughs) Yeah, that really happened. I know, it's embarrassing. (laughs) Sorry, Brian. (laughs) His wife was mad. (laughs) 
All right. I have my name in it, so I had to play it. (laughs) Sorry, Brian. Brian. (laughs) for Brian. Yeah. Nice. Love, like you said, talking about the misdirection and stuff, the, you know, the, him being married at the end. Nice, nice twist. I think it's always fun. I mean, obviously misdirection is to me, maybe the most basic awesome thing about comedy is you, you set a, you set a direction and a path one way and then you rip the curtain out from underneath them or carpet. And that's just, yes. that's like, to me, like those are, those are the best moments because the people react. And obviously they like took the moment to pan the camera to the audience because people were reacting so strongly. I think this is a specific type of misdirection, which I'm a huge fan of. And I find like a little tricky where it's like, you're not, it's not like um, Anthony Jeselnik or something where you're like saying something and then the punchline reveals you're talking about the opposite. It's like by continuing to tell the story, you're revealing details, which are causing a paradigm shift as people Mm. realize what's actually happening. So yeah, I was pretty proud of that, that old bit yeah, I like that. That's a that's a fun way to to think about misdirection. More more details cause them to have to go back and change the way they saw the the beginning of the story now because now they have it's like every documentary you watch on Netflix. They they yeah. keep revealing information revealing, they felt from you yeah. after four episodes. Oh, yeah. Nine eleven is an inside job or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh well cool. So um so that we can get to our, our last segment. It's a little weird, but uh, it's a lot of fun. It's called Last Laugh. Let me play a quick graphic. I told you, super strange, Uh, but everybody does it. So we're not just putting you on the spot. So uh, this is the the joke that you want to be remembered by. It's the joke you put on your tombstone. It could be yours, could be your comedy heroes. Uh, What would be your last laugh? Um, I don't know. This is so hard. I wish I had come up with something but i guess it would have to be a one-liner like um a bad bitch because every time she tried to be rude she got nervous or something like that (laughs) that. or like she died as she lived being mousy you know know. (laughs) really adding up but something like that yeah you got time to think about it i hope Uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) me too yeah that's awesome i like bad bitch that's good i mean that feels it feels timely. I feel like that's in a lot of rap lyrics. It must be something good. Yeah. Here lies a comedian or like laying down comedian. Maybe something, there's something there. We can <laughs> yeah. workshop it. We'll work on it. <laughs> and you're writing exercises tomorrow. Uh, yes. Well, good. Well, tell people where they can find you. I already committed to buying your album. So I'm going to do that. Uh, uh, it's on you, your Ryan. website, right? Yes. It's katiehannigan.com slash album. And all my tour dates are kind of on my website but just check my social media i'm at katie hannigan forever on instagram on tiktok i'm at katie hannigan on twitter and i have a facebook page it's just katie hannigan and you can catch me at the riot yes you can this weekend i'm yeah. very thrilled very yeah. thrilled we can't wait to have you it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah. wish, drew wish you could be here drew moved to new york so we don't see him anymore are here. you in new york now yeah yeah actually oh I, I didn't i didn't run into you but i saw your set at west side comedy club a couple weeks ago and then oh I saw god. the clips and posted some clips and I was like, aha, I was there for that clip, for that joke. Oh my god. Well, next time you see me, make sure you we say hi, even if you have to come to the stage. I'll be I'll we'll say come hi. onto the stage and be like, hi, good to see you. <laughs> you said this was okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll say he never does this. <laughs> yeah. Mind if I do yeah. a little time while I'm up here? <laughs> uh, yeah. cool. Well, yeah, we're excited to have you. Can't wait to see you. Uh, and uh, and thanks for doing the show. Thanks everybody for listening. 
Yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Katie. See ya. Thanks for listening to Breaking Down Bits. You can keep in touch or get more when you follow at Breaking Down Bits on social media. Visit the website BreakingDownBits.com or shoot us an email at BreakingDownBits at gmail.com.